And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Let's prepare our hearts today for God's Word. If you're new here, um, we like to take just a moment and to say a corporate prayer together as a way for us to just prepare and kind of uh, prepare the soil of our heart for what God wants to say to us today. So if you would, if you would repeat this with me today, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's definitely summertime in Florida, and I don't know what your favorite thing to do is during the summer, but our favorite thing to do as a family is swimming. Like, I think that my kids turn into fish during the summer. I mean, they like to swim so much, and I can't really blame them because from myself as a kid, I was born in Tampa and uh, lived a long time in Florida, and so I, I've always been about the water, and, and uh, I remember as a kid, um, I used to like to go to the community swimming pool. Anybody else like to go to the community swimming pool back when you were a kid? I mean, back when, when, when I was a kid, like five or ten years ago, um, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, um, residential homes didn't have a whole lot of pools in them. So you'd go down to the community pool and it'd be a massive pool and all your friends would be there, especially during the summer. And I remember at, at the pool that I would go to um, in the deep end, there would be uh, three areas that you could, you could kind of jump off into the water in. And so there were, there were two diving boards that were kind of both on the opposite side of the deep end. And then there was a high dive. Anybody's, anybody's community pool have a high dive? Now, listen, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how high the high dive really was. Um, as a kid, it looked like you were on the edge of the Grand Canyon getting ready to jump off. I've kind of learned the older that I get that as a kid, things looked really big through my eyes then. And then as the older I get, the more I realize, well, maybe they weren't as big as I thought they were. But I remember this one summer and I'm, I'm at the pool and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in the water and hanging around the edge and I'm on the, on the side because, you know, they kind of have the rope in the deep end so you're not allowed to swim over there. And so I'm kind of hanging out in the shallow side, probably four to five feet, um, swimming around in there. And, and I just remember always looking and watching like all these kids like going off the diving board and especially the high dive and there would be a line and and there was a couple stairs and a platform and then turn a couple stairs platform you kind of work your way up the high dive and I just remember like sitting across the pool and watching them and it just it looked like they were having so much fun like it looked like all those kids that were in a line that it was almost like a little fraternity or something like they had something that was in a common and they just they laughed and they carried on and it was just something for me that I looked at and I was like man I want to be a part of that like I want to I want to jump off the high dive, but one of the things for me that I really struggled with was just this fear of the unknown. Like, like what would it be like to kind of walk up and to be that high above everybody else and to jump off? And I remember that summer, I, 
I summoned kind of enough courage to go get in the line, and, and I'm in the line, and I'm beginning to, to walk up, and I get up the stairs, and on a platform, and I kind of turn, and then I get to another platform, and I'm like halfway up the high dive, and all of a sudden, the knees start shaking, <laughs> and my heart starts racing, and I, I start getting a little freaked out, and And I turned around and I started walking back down and I took the walk of shame. I don't know if you've ever done the walk of shame on the high dive, but everybody knows why you're going the wrong way because you're too scared to get up in the jump. And I think about that and I think about Moses' life and I think about the way that he lived his life. And like all of us, Moses had some ups and he had some downs, but have you ever noticed that, there's, that there tends to be something inside of most of us that, that causes us to resist wanting to take risks in our life? Like for some of us, like we, we avoid risk at all costs. Like it don't matter what it is, we're going to avoid any kind of risk. And then there's some of us that like we will risk some things in some areas of our life but then there's other areas in our life that are totally off limits that we want to we play it safe in. And I've just noticed in my own journey with God, and I don't know if you've noticed in your own relationship with God, that there is this, this gravitational pull that always tends to kind of pull us towards the safe zone, not just in our lives, but our spiritual lives. Like to always kind of want to play it safe, to, to do the predictable thing, to resist or to stay away from anything that's a little bit risky in our lives. And I, I think about Moses and I think about his life and the reality that he wasn't perfect, that he made mistakes, that he missed the mark at times in his life. But I believe that if he, if he were to be here in this room and he was preaching this message today, I think one of the things that he would challenge us all on is this idea that once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. That once we become fearless, that life becomes limitless. You know, that summer that... Um, that I took the walk of shame and I came back down from the high dive. I, I never, I ended the summer never going on the high dive, but the next summer, the next summer I decided I was going to do it. And I refused to allow my moments of fear to keep me from a lifetime of excitement. And I think our relationship with God and the way that we live our life and the struggle, the gravitational pull that we wrestle with between safe and and risk. And when I think of risk, if you're going to use a Bible word, you're going to use the word faith that that in anything, any area of our life of following God, like like anything that we do in faith takes a risk, right? And we see in Scripture that it's impossible for us to please God without faith. Like faith is such an essential part in our relationship with God. And when it comes to whether we play it safe or we live a life of faith or risk, that it's a decision that is not something that we make just in our personal lives, but but it's also a decision that we've got to make in our spiritual lives. And so when I look at Moses, I see a guy who was the quintessential rags to riches story. 
I mean, he was the child of a slave family in Egypt. And then when the Hebrew infants were ordered to be killed by Pharaoh, his mother ended up hiding him in a, in a basket and putting him in the Nile River and kind of pushing him. He kind of floated along. And, and then he was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. Now check this out. The very household that sentenced him to death, and she ended up adopting Moses, and he became Egyptian royalty. And so growing up for Moses, a Hebrew in an Egyptian home, he knew what it was like to be different. He knew what it was like that everybody around him looked different than he did. And one day for Moses, he grew so frustrated and angry at the fact of all the violence that was happening to his native people, the Hebrew people, that in an act of rage, you remember, that Moses ended up killing the taskmaster and hid the man's body in the dirt. And the next day, realizing that Pharaoh knew what he had done, that he ended up fleeing to Egypt. Now, eventually, Moses, he gets married, he has kids, he has a good occupation, he's a shepherd in the wilderness. And here's the thing is that he could have, in that moment and season of his life, he could have chose to play it safe and to settle there. He could have been satisfied, hey, I'm married, I've got some kids, I've got a decent job. He could have been satisfied there, but God had more for Moses than just playing it safe. And we see this kind of begin to come to fruition in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Now watch this. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, that it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now I want you to notice here that for them, for Moses in this time, seeing a bush on fire in that area wasn't really that big of a deal. But seeing one that was on fire that wasn't burning up, that got Moses a little bit curious. And in verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and if you got a pen and a Bible, circle that, gone over to look, that God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, I want to stop there and I want to, I want to give you an observation from this text that I noticed that's kind of, kind of a little bit of a side note. Notice that God didn't speak to him until he took a step towards the bush. You know, I think sometimes in our life, we're walking through seasons, we're walking through difficulties, maybe, maybe it's decisions about our future, and some of those decisions are, will I take a step of faith, will I, will I give some risk, or will I play it safe? That sometimes in our lives, we sit back waiting on God to speak to us. 
And we're like, God, if you speak to us, if you do this, we will respond. But sometimes God is sitting back waiting on us to take a step. And there might be some of you that are in this room or some of you that are watching online today and you're in this season and you're wondering why things aren't moving and everything's kind of stagnant. And could it be that you're waiting on God to speak something or to order the steps or to tell you what step to take? And could it be that God is waiting on you to take a step of faith to begin to activate what he wants to do in your life? I look at Moses here and I look at his response like, here I am. Now, now, I don't know, I don't know about you. Um, but if I walk up to the bush and the bush starts talking to me, I don't think I would say, here I am. I think I might say, like, here I was. I mean, if the bush is speaking to me, I'm probably not going to hang around to see what it has to say. And here we see in Moses that his response is, here I am, God. And in verse 5, God says, don't come any closer. Look at this. He says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. You know, we see here God, we see Him calling for some, some humility and some reverence. And I'll be honest, church, I feel like in our generation today that we've lost that humility and that reverence before the Lord. That we've lost the sense of, of, of awe. Like, like Moses had such a sense of awe of this moment and God's activity that he later wrote, in Exodus chapter 15, 11, he said, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? That who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in majesty, working wonders. Like you can hear just this awe out of Moses. And, and I think that in our culture today, I think that there's a sense of coming back to this place of reverence before the Father. Reverence and humility of, of, of his impact in our life and what he's done. And, and I think so oftentimes we kind of we take a little bit of God and then we, we kind of push him off to the side when we want to kind of go do our thing. And, and we can tend to, and listen, I fall into it too. We can tend to come to a Sunday to a worship service and it becomes all about like who we're going to see and hanging out with friends. And we lose this, this reverence of, of, of coming into this place, this, this moment as we go into worship, like, like, okay, in this moment, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about my preferences and what I want, but it's about the father. It's about the God of the universe that sent his one and only son, that the whole reason why you and I can sit in this place and to receive and to have eternal salvation through him is because of that sacrifice. And, and so Sunday becomes less about what we want and it comes all about coming back to the throne room of grace and, 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 and being before God and just worshiping him, not in the way that we want to worship, but in the way he deserves to be worshiped. Friend, I'm an introvert. And I know, I know, I know, like 
People tell me, like, when you say that, it, that's not, it doesn't look like that's who you are. But listen, that's who God wired me to be. And this right here before the Lord is not my personality. I decided a long time ago that I'm going to worship God, not out of my personality, but because of who he is and what he's been in my life. And friend, if you want to help us create a culture of worship in this place, where he's glorified, we've got to move out of the safe, even in our worship expression. Out of the safe and take a step of faith and begin to, now listen, you can go through the whole process of, you know, have you seen the memes and the videos of, of um, the church worship and you've got like the different styles, right? I wish I, I didn't prepare any of this, what I'm saying, or I would have listed what they were and I would have sounded really smart. But you've got like all these little placements of hands and what they're called different things, right? And that's pretty funny. But there is this, this idea of us bringing back this sense of humility and reverence before the Lord that I think, I think God desires. And I think he's looking for a church, not a stuffy church, but he's looking for a church whose heart is all about him. And when he finds that church, folks, like when he finds that group of people that are passionate about him and his presence and what he wants to do in all of our lives, like to me, that's a place that he wants to inhabit. To me, that's a place that he wants to, to show up. And so we see this kind of awe in Moses' life. And then, and then we see in verse 7, it says that the Lord said that I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, that I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. I think another thing in this text that I see that I think is important for us to understand is that we need to never allow Satan to convince us that God doesn't care or that he's not aware of what we're walking through in our lives because he does care and he is aware. And right here we see that, that at the right time that God is orchestrating some things behind the scenes that they don't even know about. And friend, maybe you're here today and maybe you're just barely hanging on to life. Like maybe you're just walking through some, some, some serious difficulty in your life and challenges in your life. And it's just like, it's just like everything you can do to kind of hang on and to keep moving. And listen, I want you to hear today that God sees it, that he knows it, that he's at work behind the scenes for your benefit. Like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not doing it. And so continue to take steps of faith. Continue to trust in God that he is going to come through. And then watch what God says to Moses in verse 10. And um, he says this, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, I read that and keep in mind that this guy... This guy has murdered somebody, he's a fugitive, and he's fled Egypt. And so for Moses, God is now calling him to go back to the very place that he fled from. And so Moses has a big decision that he's got to make. A big decision. I mean, he's got to, he's going to either play it safe, and he's going to hang out with with the wife and hang out with the kids and to do his shepherding thing and to hang out in the wilderness and have kind of a safe life, 
Or he's going to choose to be risky, to take a step of faith, to be fearless, and to put his life on the line in order to be obedient to God. And if you're familiar at all with the story, you know that Moses, he does go back. And despite his own shortcomings and through several supernatural events that God does, God uses Moses to lead the people of Israel, his people, out of Egyptian slavery and towards God's preferred future for their lives. And so when I think of Moses, and I think about this kind of question, this idea of, okay, what would Moses say from his life experiences and what he's walked through, his ups and his downs, what would he say to us? I think he's going to warn us not to settle for safe. I think he's going to challenge us to take steps of faith, to take risks in our spiritual life. And here's three reasons why I think he would challenge us to do that. The first one is this, is safe will keep us trapped in the past. When we choose to play our spiritual life safe, it'll keep us trapped in the past. You know, I think a lot of people live their lives almost like they've got a chain around their ankle and they've got, they've got some, some, some uh, length in the chain. And so they feel like there's freedom in their life because they can kind of move around a little bit and make some decisions. But every time they try to move forward in the way that God is calling them to move, they get caught with the chain. And so their life is just kind of like that. And so they've got their kind of safe spot where they don't feel the resistance of the chain. And then at some point when they try to make some important changes in their life and to move towards God's purpose for their life, they get caught by that. And what I see the Lord say in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 16 through 19, and this is what God says about himself. He says, this is what God says. The God who, he's bragging on himself. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. In other words, the God of the impossible says to you and me this next part, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. In other words, get it off repeat, right? Get it off repeat. Quit playing the old song of your past over and over and over again and allowing the song and the words of the past to continue to define your future and who you are with Christ God is saying, get over the old history. Be alert and be present. I'm about to do something brand new. That it's bursting out. That it's bursting out. Friend, I think that's a word for somebody. I know it's a word for this church. That he's about to do something new. That it's bursting out. And then he says, don't you see it? Don't you see it? See it. To me, that's a statement of faith, not reality. 
It's not about whether or not we physically see what God's, it's the statement of faith that God, I see, I trust in your word and what you want to do in my life, that you're going to work all things, all the good and all the bad for my benefit as long as I yield my life and trust in you. And so I'm going to see it. He says, there it is, that I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. I mean, friend, Moses was a murderer. But he chose to not allow his past to determine the rest of his life. And wherever you are and whatever you've done, the Holy Spirit is here in this place with his Holy Spirit bolt cutters ready to cut the chain that has been holding you back for years and years and years. But it takes a step of faith, it takes a little risk. For some of you, it might not be the past. For some of you, I think Moses says that another danger of playing it safe is that safe will keep you satisfied with today. You know, the danger of satisfaction is that we grow complacent in life. And where there is complacency, there is always a lack of growth. See, there's a huge difference between a head knowledge of who God is and a head knowledge of his scripture and growing spiritually. Like I can have information up here, but I can also have that and not allow him to transform what's in here. And that's why one of our core values as a church is growth. You wouldn't think that we would have to, we're a church. Why do we have to put growth on there as a core value? And it's because are the risk of us playing it safe in our life, that God does not want that out of us. And so we say that we're going to be a church that's all about growth, that we're going to allow God to change us because growing things change. Like everything in your life that you can see with your eyes that is growing, that it, it, it changes. It goes through change in it's life, and that's why we have used this word transform in our very vision statement, because we want to be a, a church, we want to be a people that's allowing God to change us into the person, the men and women that he has designed us to be. Church, you and I, we cannot afford in these days to play it safe. We can't afford to be satisfied with today. I had a chance this past week um, to be able to go to a, a, a seminar with, with Pastor Terrell, and, and we spent some time. Um, to, it was a great time for us to be able to fellowship and to hang out together, but, but my heart was grieved at some of the information that, 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 that was being shared to us. And one of the things that was shared to us was a statistic that I had not known, that I was not aware of about a biblical worldview in America. And so a biblical worldview is basically the easiest way for me to explain it is that I can look at, at the things around me and the way that I live my life and the way that I make my, my decisions with my flesh eyes, which is, I can't hardly see anybody right now. It's like one glob of, 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 of people. Or I can have a biblical worldview, which means that I allow God and his word to guide my decisions my interactions and the way that I live my life. And all of a sudden it takes what I see in a blurry state and it gives me a sharper perspective, okay? 
And so in America, what was discovered is that if your birthday, if your birthday was from nine, and I'm not going to make you guys raise your hands because especially ladies, I've learned not to ask age. Um, 1946 to 1964. If you were born between 1946 and 1964, that generation, 65% of them had a biblical worldview. So 65% of that generation made their decisions, lived their life, um, their interactions with people. All of that stuff was guided by God and, their, and, and, and God's Word. Then you move to Generation X, 1965 to 1980. That's my generation. And it went from 65% to 33%. In one generation, we saw it almost decrease by half. Then Gen Y, that's 1981 to 1996. If you were born 1981 to 1996, that almost another half dropped, and it went from 33% to 19%. 19% of, of that Gen Y has a biblical worldview. Then Gen Z, 1997, born 1997 to 2015, it went down to 4%. Church in four generations... In four generations, we went from a 65% biblical worldview to a 4% biblical worldview. One of the ways I interpret that is it's because we've chose to play it safe. We've quit taking risk for God. We've quit taking steps of faith and living life outside of ourselves. I think from my ability to kind of, kind of glean from that, I see a culture that has become more me-driven, so it's more about us and what we want and about ourselves and our family that we've lost sight of the bigger picture that you and I are placed here for a purpose. And that purpose is not about ourselves; it's about other people. And from generation to generation, there's been a disconnect because our culture has shifted from being all about God and what He wants to do to all about us and what we want to do. And church, what does that look like for us if we continue to play it safe in our lives? What does it look like for Generation Alpha that's born from 2016 to present and moving forward? Like, why did we invest money into a next-gen area down on that side? This is one of the reasons. Friend, we are no longer a Christian nation. We are founded on Christian principles, but we are not a Christian nation. Like, like other countries are taking mission trips to America. Like the stats show that if you took all the unbelievers in America and put them aside in their own country, their own nation, they would be the eighth largest nation in the entire world. Like church, we cannot continue to play it safe. That we've got to be a church that's willing to take some risks. A church that's willing to take steps of faith. 
a church that's willing to, to take what God has done in our life and to be able to, to, to hand it off to generations behind us. And then we see the third thing that I think Moses would, would caution us on is that playing it safe will also cause us to be afraid of tomorrow. That it'll cause us to be afraid of tomorrow and I've learned in my life that God's plan for me is bigger than my capacity to be able to do it on my own. And the same is true for you, that what God has called you to do, and he's called all of us to do something in this place, that it's bigger than what you could do on your own. And I could hear Moses, I can hear him thinking, after the burning bush, God, I've already tried to intervene. I've already tried to save your people and it didn't work. In fact, Moses even says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, he said something that I think many of us have said, I've said in my own life many times. He says, pardon your servant, Lord, but please send someone else. Please send somebody else. And we've got that repeat going on in our mind of all the reasons why God can't use us and why that's not for us. And we ask God to send somebody else. And friend, if you really want to live life, like truly live life, then you have to be willing to take some risks. And I know Moses knew that risks aren't easy. And so I think he would have us take heart in these quick three things. And I'm going to close with this, the first one, to become fearless, we've got to recognize that God is already at work in us. So if you're going to, today, you're going to decide, I'm going to quit playing it safe and I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to live a life of faith. You've got to recognize that God's already at work in you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that he's going to carry it on. He's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That God is already at work, that he's already beginning to stir some passions and some desires in your heart, that he's already given you some experiences in your past that you're going to be able to leverage, to be able to make an impact and a difference in somebody else's life. And so you're more prepared for what God has for you than you realize. Number two, to become fearless, we got to refuse to be defined by anything but God. Psalm 139, 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them? The psalmist just talking about God's impression of who he is. Like, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. But friend, if we're going to live a fearless life, we've got to refuse. Refuse to wear the labels that other people put on us. The only label that you and I need to be wearing is the labels that God puts on us. And what he's speaking over 
our lives. And for Moses, Moses was a murderer. His greatest insecurity was his inability to be able to speak well, and yet God had a call on his life because Moses chose to be fearless. God used him to bring freedom to millions of people. And I think the third thing that Moses would want us to take heart in to encourage us as we begin to take a step of faith is that to become fearless, that it impacts others around you. When Moses led the people out of Egypt, Hebrews eleven twenty nine 29 says that by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, that they were drowned. Friend, I want you to hear me this morning. That there is something that God has called you to do. That if you will do it, that if you will be obedient and to not play safe, but to take steps of faith and risk that what he has you do will alter someone else's eternal destination. I mean, think of that for a moment. That your willingness to say yes can change somebody's eternal destination. And Satan works overtime trying to keep you from saying yes. For this pastor, it was that moment that I heard the Lord say that he had called me to ministry and, and I had two moments in my life, two moments where my yes really transformed my life and made an impact in the lives of those around me. The first one was the call to ministry. Why would he call me to ministry? Like I, I come from a broken home. My parents were drug addicts and alcoholics. I didn't know any Bible stories. I didn't grow up in church other than the times that my grandparents would take me. Why would he call me? What do I have? Like what skill set do I have to be able to lead other people to God's preferred future for their life. Like, like, what is it in me? Those were the labels. Those were the labels that other people were putting on me, the labels that I was putting on myself. But it wasn't about the labels. It was about what God had called me to do. And in that season, I said yes. And it began to transform my life. Now listen, yeses don't mean it's easy. I'm an introvert and I'm standing right now in front of all you people and everybody's looking at me here in person and on TV and my hands are sweating. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. Your job is to say yes. His job is to prepare you 
to anoint you and to release you. And then my other yes was in this church under the leadership of Pastor Terrell down this hallway and I would I would pray and I'd walk the foyer and I'd sit we had a couch over here in the in the room and I'd sit there and I'd read and I'd have my headphones on and I would just kind of walk around and I would pray and happy fulfilled in ministry serving under pastor and just our heart was to just just you tell us the vision and we'll help you do it like that was our heart and all of a sudden God spoke and he said Ryan I'm starting to put my vision in your heart and I knew what that meant it meant I could no longer hide behind the scenes it meant that I had to I had to take another step of faith I had to take a risk. A kid who grew up with a learning disability, speech problems, I had to go to speech therapy. Couldn't even pronounce my own name as a kid. Like they had to coach me how to say my own name because I struggled with getting R's out and to pronounce them. Now God's telling me that He's now calling me into a new season where he's wanting me to take a step of faith and to step out and to begin to, to speak and to share what he's placed on my heart. Like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you, it's about this community. It's about every person that I get to come in contact with that needs Jesus. It's about me saying yes and him doing the rest. Friend, what is your yes? What is it that you keep disqualifying yourself for? What is it that you keep saying no and you've got all your reasons why and all God wants is a yes? He'll do the rest. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. Father, we love you so much. God, forgive us for playing it safe. Father, forgive us for accepting such an amazing gift of eternal salvation and then going back living our lives our way. God, forgive us for not allowing ourselves to take risks to be who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray in this moment that wherever our, my friends are, those that are here and those that are watching online, that God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to stir in them, 
And Lord, maybe they've said yes and they've grown weary. And Father, I pray if that's them, that in this moment, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would flood their heart and they would recognize that they're not all their own, that you are at work behind the scenes and that you would take this moment to strengthen and encourage. Well, Father, I pray for those, God, that have been playing it safe, that your Holy Spirit would begin to stir within their heart. God, as they begin to sense that maybe there's something more to life than this, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them. God, I pray that they would have the courage to say yes. Because it, Lord, is in our faith to say yes that our life Comes limitless. With every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching online and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you've drifted a long way. Friend, I'll tell you, don't play it safe. That safe is the most dangerous place that you could live your life. Take the biggest risk to lay your life before God and to invite him into your heart and to allow him to transform you into the man or woman that he's designed you to be. That's you with every head bowed and eye closed. If you just want to make a commitment to the Father today, you want to ask him into your heart or kind of refresh your relationship with him just right there where you're seated i want to lead you in a prayer but just slip your hand up as a declaration to god i want my life to be the life that you designed me to have yeah anybody else repeat this prayer with me today in church family Say it out loud with me. Father, I recognize today that you are God, not me. Forgive me for trying to be in control. Today, I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me. Come live inside of me. Mold me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. 
And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.